0: So it's no secret that I'm not exactly the tallest human being. I've never really been that tall. At school, most people were taller than me, and if I was sitting at the back of the hall for, for assembly, for example, I had absolutely no hope of, of seeing the screen at the front. When I was at college, we'd go to a lot of uh, music gigs, and I'd go with my mate Ben, who was like a six foot, 10 mile giant, and he'd either barge us to the front or I'd go on his shoulders. But shall I tell you when, being small is really an issue, and as I tell you this, I'm likely going to kind of split the room 50-50, and that's roller coasters. Some of us love roller coasters, other of us can't stand them. We all know that you have to be at one metre to ride the roller coasters at Portons Park. But at Disneyland Paris, you have to be a whole 1.2 meters to ride the big roller coasters. And when I went to Disneyland Paris, I was about eight or nine years old at the time with my family, and I was utterly terrified of roller coasters, but I was 1.2 meters on the dot. And I remember we queued up for one of the roller coasters and and my dad would say to me, look, you you see those people sat in the train? He said to me, you love trains. And then he said, and in 90 seconds time, they'll be back here, back in the station, still sat in that train, absolutely fine. And I remember turning around to my dad and said, yeah, but dad, what happens if when I go upside down, I'm no longer sat in the train? And he said to me, look, you're being silly. It's your choice. And you know what? I saw the people on the ride before ours come back so thrilled and exhilarated. And I thought, I'm gonna go for it. And I did. And I remember when it first accelerated shouting, oh my goodness. And then when the ride finished, I was like, oh my goodness. And my adrenaline filled passion was born in that moment. But you see, I had a preconceived notion of what roller coasters were like. I had a perception of what roller coasters were like before i had experienced them. And it wasn't until I experienced what it was actually like that I actually learned what it was really like and how much I loved them. And you know what? I feel like lots of people have a preconceived notion of what they think the Bible is or a perception of what they think a Christian is or, or what they think church is like. But until you've experienced it, until you understand truly what the Bible promises, we can't judge it. We can't give excuses for not exploring the promises within And while we're here this weekend, that's exactly what we're going to be doing. We're going to explore together what the Bible is, some of the promises that it holds, and why those promises might actually be worth committing our entire life to. And to do that, we're going to get to know a guy called Joshua in the Bible and how he was part of fulfilling one of God's greatest promises, a promise that actually involves you and me too. And in this first session, we're going to just simply introduce our theme and talk a little bit about the promises of God's word in general. And then in in, in our subsequent sessions together, we're going to think about the promise carried, the promise fulfilled, and then finally the promise extended even to you and me. So I wonder if you could just take a moment to think about this question. What are some of the things that the world promises us or our culture or our societies promise us? It might be, for example, that um, if you get good grades, then there's a promise of university and then a good job and then an easy life. Or maybe it's that if you buy this shirt, there's a promise that you'll look great and you'll suddenly have confidence in all of our identity. Well, we're going to pick up on lots of these sort of promises that our culture um, throws at us over this weekend. Now, do you know I was uh, I was eleven years old when I first gave my life to Jesus, and the first time I encountered the Bible and the promise was within was on that weekend when I gave my life to Jesus. I read the I read the whole of Mark's Gospel in one go. Mark's Gospel is one of the historical accounts of Jesus' life in the Bible, and as I read the Bible for the first time, the story of Jesus took on a whole new real meaning for me. It was nothing like I assumed it was. I realised that the stories in the Bible took place in a real time in history, with real people and in real places. I realised I could no longer argue that a man called Jesus lived. That was obvious. But the question I now had to answer was, who do I say Jesus is? Is he just a dude who did some radical things or or did he really die and rise again and promise to come again again? And therefore, he really is God. And it's all true. Do you know, as Christians, we believe the Bible is God's word. And therefore, one of the promises of the Bible as God's word to us is that every time we read the Bible, God himself actually speaks to us. And I think that's amazing that the God of the entire cosmos, the God who created everything, actually wants to speak to you and me. And that's what we're going to do right now. We're going to read God's word together. So if you've got a Bible with you, I want you to turn to Psalm 19 in the Old Testament. And just by way of kind of introducing our theme this weekend, when I need to be reminded of the promises of God's word, this is where I turn to Psalm 19. And so I'm just going to pray that as we read God's word, he would speak to us. And then we're going to read that together. So, Father, thank you for your word, the Bible. Thank you that it's alive and active and i pray it speak to us by your spirit show us jesus and show us the promises of your word in jesus name i pray amen so i'm going to read psalm 19 just focusing on verses 7 to 9 so psalm 19 from verse 7 says this the law of the lord is perfect refreshing the soul the statutes of the lord are trustworthy making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm and all of them are righteous. Now there is loads of brilliant stuff in this psalm but I want to focus briefly just on those verses that we read together verses seven to nine. Now David you might have heard of uh, of King David from the Old Testament he's the guy who wrote this psalm and he uses this phrase right look back down with me in verse seven the law of the Lord. Now what David means by that is the scriptures but it's not like the scriptures like we think, because we have the whole Bible, Genesis to Revelation, beginning to end, including the whole life of Jesus. But most of that hadn't actually happened in history at the time David was writing this. You see, all they had at the time was the first five books of the Bible, from Genesis to Deuteronomy, and they're known as the books of the law or the books of Moses. And so when David says in verse 7 that the law of the Lord is perfect, He's literally only talking about the first five books in our Bible. Now, I think the whole Bible is literally the most awesome thing on the face of the planet. But I don't know if you've ever tried to read the first five books of the Bible, but they're not exactly the easiest thing to read. But you know what? David says they are perfect. And he goes on to give us some incredible descriptions that God's word is and some of the things that God's word promises to do for us. And in verses seven to nine, if you look back down, the first line of each phrase is like what God's word is. And then the second line of each phrase is like what God's word does for us, what it promises to do for us. So let's just check those out, right? Verse seven says God's word is perfect and trustworthy. Verse eight, God's word is right and radiant. And then verse nine, God's word is pure and it endures forever. In other words, it's eternal. Now, do you know what? everything in our world is perishable which means it's here now but one day it won't be it doesn't last but God's word the Bible is eternal it transcends time and cultural boundaries now the world and our culture and our societies promise us so many things whether it's money or safety or identity or sex or promotion or status but you know what Those promises don't last. They don't fulfill truly. They don't satisfy us because one day they might be there, but one day they'll be gone. We can't rely on them. But the promises of God's word, in contrast, endure forever. They're eternal. They never let us down. God never fails to stay true to his promises. And we're going to keep seeing this throughout the weekend. God's word is perfect, trustworthy, right, radiant, pure and firm. How many other things in this world could we say back that about, I wonder? I'll be honest, I can't even think of one right now. But if those are the things that God's word is, then what does God's word promise to do for us? Well, look back down with me, right? Verse 7, it promises to refresh our soul. Now, That's not like some empty promise from lemonade or Sprite that says, drink this and be refreshed. This means like an entire new fresh perspective and outlook on life. One where you really can find true contentment. Also in verse seven, God's word promises to make wise the simple. In other words, it gives us wisdom, wisdom beyond comprehension. Not like the promise of of studying or working hard that then gets you into places in the world. Now those things are important, don't hear me wrong. But this is a promise to guide you in making every decision in your life. Verse 8, God's word promises to give joy to your heart and light to your eyes. Now let me tell you about joy in this world right joy in our world is like an emotion that we seek out with novel experiences and positive affirmations but you see the problem with viewing joy as an emotion is that emotions fluctuate with how we feel whereas the joy that the bible promises is a joy based on a relationship with God who never changes And therefore, the joy the Bible promises is something we can know and experience regardless of how we're feeling. Like, you know, the world can let you down and you can still know the joy of Jesus in your heart. And you know what? Jesus is the light of the world. And if you're a follower of Jesus, then the Bible says you are the light of the world. And that's how the Bible can promise to give light to your eyes because it shows you the path. It highlights the best way to live. It promises to shine hope in the darkest of places. Friends, the world can't promise any of these things. Now, it will try and convince you that it can. It will look like the best thing ever on the outside. But at its heart, our culture and society is full of empty promises that just don't deliver and don't last Now I realise this all sounds quite dull as we kind of begin our weekend speaking about a world so full of darkness and empty promises but I promise you this weekend that as we look at the Bible together we're going to get to know a God who is always true to his promises and God's promises are on a whole different level to anything the world can throw at you because God's promises don't just remain true in this life but they impact life eternally, even after we die. And on Saturday morning, we're going to introduce ourselves to Joshua in the Bible and see how he was part of living out one of God's greatest promises. a promise that if we accept Jesus into our hearts, then we're actually a part of. So I'm going to pray for us right now. Father, thank you for your word, the Bible. Thank you that it speaks to us. Thank you that Your word reveals to us the promises of God, a God who never changes, a God who is always faithful to his promises, and actually whose promises are just on a whole different level to the promises of the world. Father, thank you that we can trust your promises. Thank you that we can trust you, a God who is ever faithful and never changing. And we pray as we continue to meet together this weekend and hear from your word that you would speak to us and just reveal more of the promises you have for us in our lives. In Jesus' name, Amen.